Good morning. I'm Melissa and my husband there, Lenny. We are waking up to grace together this morning and we're inviting you to do the same. Today our show is uh, going to be about repentance. What does repent mean and how do we really repent? And uh, according to Vine's Concise Dictionary, a repentance is described as a change of mind. And um, so what are we changing our, our minds about uh, when we repent in regards to our salvation? What is the change of paradigm that takes place? And so if you if you read through scripture, you find that there's passages um, that talk about repentance regarding sin, like one against one another, like a sin towards another brother. Um, and that's um, there's really no difference in the meaning of the term, but there's a difference in context and in regards to like who who you're repenting towards, uh, for example. So if I was to sin against my wife, Melissa, and, uh, you know, I was holding to the fact that I did nothing wrong, you know, that that wouldn't be repenting. But if I if I if came to the realization and changed my mind and realized that what I did to her was wrong, I could say I repent. And then she you would go on and, and appreciate that and probably forgive me because she realized I, I don't even really have to ask <laughs> for her to forgive me when she realizes what I'm saying is I, I wronged you, you know, and I can say forgive me, you know, if I want to or, or whatever. But the point is that the word repent is a change of mind. It's not that I, I'll never do that sin again. It's not, I'm not promising that I'll turn away and never do that again, right? You know, I mean, because it could happen, but at least I acknowledged that I was wrong. And that's the, the key thing, because if we go around thinking that our sins towards one another are just perfectly fine, that would be a strange world to live in, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, it would. So, but in regards to salvation, uh, we see a different sort of a different type of repentance, but the definition is still the same. It's a change of mind. But uh, but what we find in the in the Bible when when they're talking about repenting and uh, believing in Jesus, for example, or believing the gospel, uh, they're talking about a different repentance here. They're talking about a different change of mind, a different change of paradigm. And so what we're going to be looking at here is, um, you know, before the, the new covenant began, you had people under law still and uh, enter John Baptist enters into the scene and is telling them to repent. And let's take a look at one of these passages. Yeah, he's very famous um, for being out there in the wilderness yelling, repent, yeah, repent. Repent. And he says, and here he says, uh, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came into the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, for he is the one about whom the prophet Isaiah had spoken. Okay, so he's he's saying he he is the one. He's saying repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. Why was he saying that? You know, why would he be was he saying to stop sinning because the kingdom of heaven is near? Is he saying to turn away from all of your sin because the kingdom of heaven is near or was he telling them to stop thinking the way they were? in regards to the law, in regards to the sacrifices, in regards to how they were forgiven and how they were going to get right with God. It's the latter. Change your mind mm -hmm. about how you're thinking of the law and realize that the Savior is coming. Yeah, so I mean, all these topics tend to overlap into each other. 
Uh, you have to, you know, to to really get something out of this fully, you might have to understand the new covenant when it began. You might have to understand uh, the fullness of grace. You might have to um, understand, um, you know, the the division between law and grace, because you know the reality is that the the law, you know, the law was not how people were made right. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, teaches us that the the law came after the promise. And the promise was always by faith. And so all through the Old Testament, all the way up until now, people have always been saved by faith, not the law. And so this repentance, you know, would also have probably had a lot to do with that, because at that time, you know, all of all of Israel was was under the laws of the Pharisees and the Pharisees were preaching that how to get right with God through the laws. They, they stumbled over the stumbling block that Jesus describes you know, they, 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 they didn't get it, you know, and Israel from the beginning wasn't obeying the law. They were being hypocrites. As soon as the law was, was given by Moses, they all promised, oh, I will, we will all abide. And moments later, you know, they were already worshiping false idols. Right. Um, but to get back on repentance here, you know, he's saying that basically the, the Christ is coming, the King is coming change your mind stop thinking the way you're thinking the temple worship and the temple sacrifices are no longer going to be the thing the messiah is here well, so first... so change your mind the messiah is here right and the first um examples you gave and <clears throat> and asked if that's what he could have meant stop sinning um that it, it couldn't be that we know because that is not possible it's not humanly possible anyway to stop sinning good um, point so we know it couldn't mean that and that's um that's a big stumbling block for many people today um because their their pastors and their church buildings where they attend are telling them that repent means to stop sinning and then turn away from sin they'll say away and to stop and they get confused because you might feel like you can do that for a minute, <laughs> maybe five minutes, but then you quickly realize, um, I mean, how many of us can go too long without uh, being upset, especially on your drive home, uh, Boy, road rage? What a what a standard to live up to. I just, you know, think about myself in our marriage, the little quirky things that I'll do to agitate you. No, and I and I could say, let's, <laughs> I could say I, re I repent. And if I mean I'm never going to do it again, who am I fooling? I'm lying to you. And so if we if we do that towards God, would we want to be lying to God? We we're not going to stop. I mean, we may stop some great sin. We may be able to stop murdering people. But are we stopping murdering people the way that Jesus described murder on the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, he takes it a, a step further with his magnifying glass when he delivers the Sermon on the Mount. Because his yeah. whole point was to show us what we're talking about, that we can't stop sinning. We can't. Right? And so the Sermon on the Mount, as we talk about in many of our studies, that was Old Covenant theology leading. He was leading them to himself. He opened up, you know, telling them the good news that he came to fulfill the law. You know, but they didn't understand that yet because they hadn't been given the Holy Spirit. You know, if we're going to say we're going to turn away from sin, you better not ever get angry again with somebody. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. You better not, you know, ever, ever tell a little white lie, even if it was just to uh, say that you look, you know, that that doesn't that outfit doesn't make you look fat. For example, <laughs> all these things are are deceiving and they're lies. And uh 
you know, just, just being angry with somebody that, I mean, who out there can honestly say they've never uh, been angry on a daily basis. And you're going to, you're going to turn away from that to become a Christian. I don't, I don't think so. It wouldn't be truthful. And again, that was not the point of the law. The law was given to set a standard to show us we'll never reach that standard without Christ. Yes. That was the whole point. Um, so so we got to keep that in its context. But I wanted to add, you know, what you were saying about just the example in our marriage, you know, when um, one of us, you know, I, I never do anything wrong, of course, but when I know, you... it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a lie, wouldn't it? Uh, when one of us does something to wrong the other, um, yes, we, we may not be able to, to completely stop, uh, but our minds are changed, right? We don't want to do those, mm-hmm. those, um, and again, it goes along with the gospel. You know, your mind is changed. They no longer want, desire the way you used to, to do those things. So but you, that, but that you'll would, notice, you may notice you do them a lot less frequently. Yeah, but that's a temporal repentance. You know, that's a, there's, a, you know, the te- the repentance that leads to salvation is eternal. Uh, the, the repentance that we do towards one another is temporal because right. we may never be able to keep that. We may mess up. Right. You know, so there is a difference. And and in the passages, they talk about that one in particular, um, where Jesus is is uh, talking about repentance towards one another. Um, he says, uh, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Even if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times returns to you saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, keep this in context. You know, this was. This was there again, Jesus teaching people what the standard of righteousness is, God's righteousness, uh, because nobody could ever live up to this. You know, this, you know, there again, he's teaching us how God, uh, God's standard of what good is. So the whole point was to lead people to realize they needed him. But in, in its context, this passage, he's talking about his if his brother returns to him and saying, I, I realize I've done wrong, basically, I've I've changed my mind. I'm not going to you know, I don't want to keep doing this to you or he doesn't even have to say that, though. All he has to do is realize he's wrong. And he says to forgive him, you know, if he if his brother changes his paradigm and realizes he's wrong, forgive him. You know, he's he's not saying if he stops doing it because he actually describes in this situation that he he says if he does it seven times and keeps returning and saying i repent so it's clearly not a stopping of action it's a changing of mind he's saying to give him another chance if his mind is is renewed if it, if his thinking is renewed you know but this is this is a temporal repentance you know but when we're talking about the kingdom of god we're talking about a permanent uh eternal repentance and and if it's eternal how long does it last melissa forever and how many times do you have to do it once exactly and so back in jesus uh when jesus was uh walking on the earth uh it says from that in matthew chapter 4 from that time jesus began to preach this message repent for the kingdom of heaven is near Interesting that he's saying the exact same thing that John the Baptist did. You know, he's letting them know the kingdom is here. I am here and I have come to do the work of God, the will of God. He's coming to fulfill the prophecies. He hadn't yet, but he was there. The the kingdom of heaven was near because it was about to be established through the cross and through the resurrection. 
So realize, open your open your eyes, people. Repent is what he's what he's saying. Change your mind. Change your paradigm. Yeah, and so in here, uh, in 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 Mark chapter one, we have another example. Uh, after John was in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. He said, "The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel." At that time, they didn't even know what the gospel was. All he was telling them is believe that I'm the Messiah. Because if he, if they believed that he was the Messiah, they were going to realize later all of those other things. But even that, you know, they needed the spirit of God at that, at that time. Because uh, we have uh, several passages that discuss how um, in scripture that talk about that very thing that the, the, that the disciples had no idea what he was saying. And he had to teach them later through the Holy spirit. He promised to give them the counselor who would lead them to the truth. And that was when they realized it. So all this stuff about repenting, you know, he was declaring what, what they were going to need to do. They were going to need to change their mind, but did they really change their mind until after Christ's work on the cross? No, I mean, the spirit was certainly uh, probably doing something around them, but not in them yet. <laughs> it hadn't made that transformation. Right. And so nobody really truly repented and, and was saved yet until, you know, until so they the were spirit likely, was given. Yeah, they were likely scratching their heads saying, change our minds about what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, even in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. repenting would have been having faith. You know, Abraham was saved by faith. And you see in Hebrews, he mentions all the people all through the law who were saved by faith, never by works. And uh, so they were all saved by faith because they believed that in God's promise that he made and that it was going to be fulfilled. And that promise was Christ. So repentance back then You know, a similar repentance would have been having faith in the promise rather than faith in their works. You know, that would have been the mindset that they would have that would have been uh, given to them by God in those days in order to have repentance. But now we have this new this new mindset. The Messiah is here. And I'm just thinking how how silly it would be when you really think about it, how silly it is to think that that means to stop sinning. We were just talking about the uh, Sermon on the Mount and all the laws that Jesus laid out there. We were just talking about that and how murder is being angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, there's nobody can live up to any of those um laws well, also he said if your if your righteousness doesn't surpass that of the pharisees you'll never see the kingdom he and then after that he said uh therefore be perfect as, as your heavenly father is perfect it's right as if as so if, if that's what repent means you know you're in bondage you're being be, taught you're being taught a ministry of condemnation if that's what you're believing and unfortunately, I I don't I've yet to see very many uh, mainstream any any kind of mainstream pastor define repent correctly. They'll start out saying it's a change of mind and start weaving the works into it and weaving the condemnation into it. And and by by the end of a study guide, if they have one on there, you are in full bondage to your sin. Right, and I'm just thinking how it would be. Uh... It would be evil of God, Jesus, to be standing there, like kind of dangling 
you know, the little carrot there. Now, repent if it means to stop sinning, which he just showed you, you can't do on your own. You just can't. Well, there's two different Jesus saying, repent. There's two different Jesus. The there's two different gospels. That, that wouldn't even make sense. There's the Jesus that rose from the dead so that he can watch your behavior and judge you and force force you to feel guilty and never endingly ask forgiveness until the day that you die and hope that you're good enough or there's the Jesus that that rose from the dead to give you life and make you alive to God and his yoke is easy and his burden is light what's easy and light about a, a having somebody alive out there watching your every move and judging you is that an easy burden if it's an easy burden for you you might just be self-righteous. Yeah. And, and that is not an easy burden. And if, if there are um, different gospels being taught out there, which there are, then we ought to be very careful. You're, you would have to be either ignorant or self-righteous to be totally comfortable with the, with, uh, the, the scenario that you're being watched and judged and your behavior is good enough for a holy God, None to maintain your fellowship, to maintain your salvation, either of these things. And you deserve better. You know, Christ died so that you could be right with him. If you're not right with him, then you're wrong with him. There is there is no way around that. And you can only be right with him once and for all. There is no in and out and in and out. And, you know, the repentance is a one-time thing. And um, so, you know, here in Peter, he, in the book of Acts, he says, repent, and each one of you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So as many as the Lord will call. With many other words, he testified and exhorted, saying, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. So those who accepted the message were baptized. And uh, in those days, about 3,000 people were added. So this, this repentance gave them the Holy Spirit. And um, is the Holy Spirit something that gets taken away from us? No. If you've been taught that, you've been taught a wrong you know, as Martin Luther would say, it's like his verbiage when I've read some of his literature. It's in English. He probably would have said it in German or something completely different. But anyhow, you've been taught a wrong, a wrong. But, um, you know, you can't lose the spirit. You've been sealed for the day of redemption. And, you know, we have plenty, plenty of scriptural evidence to back these claims. Uh, if you've been given the spirit, if you've been given the new heart, uh, from God, he gave you the transplant. He doesn't take that heart back. You know, that happened in the Garden of Eden. He, he removed the spirit because they ate from the tree. This time that caveat's been removed. You know, we have eternal security now. So it's a whole different story. Now, why and, do you think that there are different gospels being taught out there? Oh, it's the same way reason it was in the in the in Paul's days. You know, you had false gospels. They were following him around, perverting his message, and it's a worldly message, and and uh, you gain worldly acceptance. And Paul himself said, you know, the people that are out there uh, pleasing people are not pleasing God. So if you're a people pleasing uh, message. You know, you're just you're making a whole lot of people happy. And, you know, and uh, even though you're condemning them, <laughs> that you're 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 making them happy. They like it. People eat that up because rules and regulations are something that we can humanly cling to. 
but you can only spiritually cling to the message of the spirit because it doesn't it goes against all human uh perception we think we need rules to govern but god says no you need a new heart <laughs> to be right with me huh. and uh so here's an example of the repentance that's a one-time thing again in acts but the things God foretold long ago through all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled in this way. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and so that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is Jesus. And so repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out is mentioned in this passage. So if your sins were wiped out, how many of them were left to be held against you? How many more would you have to repent for? Well, God takes care of all of them, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, there, you know, there again, the repentance that leads to salvation, the repentance that leads to fellowship, the repentance that makes us right with God and gives us that heart transplant where we're made right and our and our values and our and our, our our ways change and we do things that we never thought we would have done before um, and our minds are constantly being renewed you know and changed and and improved upon but you know the day that uh, the day that we repent we're as good as we're ever going to be to God. You know, just like uh, an infant when it's born, its mother, you know, a, a good mother would love that infant, you know, and it, it that doesn't that doesn't change anymore as they they develop. And that and in a good scenario, in God's scenario, it only improves our relationship, our understanding. He already loves us perfectly, but we love him more as we learn more about his love. Yes. And we can only learn more about his love when we're released from the bondage of our sin so and true. stop this stinking thinking that we got to repent to him every single day. So true. It's very important to know the truth, just like it is about anything. You're going to have a friend, you're going to get married, you're going to get have a job. You want to know the truth about who the person is, what's involved in what you're going to be doing. I mean, when is truth not of the utmost importance? And when we're talking about our salvation, yeah, it's all the how, more important. how we're going to get to eternity, boy, we need to make sure we're learning the truth. Because as we talked about, there are false gospels out there. Um, and and the, false and definitions good, of and words. Definitions. The word repents. You just, you misdefine that word. You read all of scripture wrong and all of a sudden you're reading under a different lens, but do you want to read it under the lens that God and the authors of scripture intended? Or do you want to read it under the lens that mankind has put you under? Which one do you want? Do you want the spiritual version of the scripture or do you want man's perverted, twisted version of scripture? And I just wanted to add again, a reason why do we think there are different gospels today? And the Lord tells us that it's a fallen world. Mm -hmm. and in this world, there will be troubles. And as we all know, there are. And so that's just, if you ever had somebody say, I know we've had plenty of people say, well, how come, you know, why would my pastor be teaching it incorrectly? You know, mm -hmm. And some of them have good intentions, but it's a fallen world. There's going to be error in the world, but there's no error in Christ and in his truth. That one of the first signs that, you know, we've noticed in people when they start coming to the truth is just that they start saying, 
I can't believe what's coming out of these people's mouths. <laughs> because, you know, that's the first revelation, you know, it's, 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 a it's a, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow when you realize how many people are teaching it wrong. But are you, are you going to, are you going to just go on in the lies because it's more comfortable? No, of course not. If God opens your eyes, you are going to be blessed to an Amen. abundance of spiritual blessings. And you're going to learn more than you've ever learned uh, attending these mainstream places every day. You're going to be so hungry and thirsty for daily doses of truth. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's spiritual become, food. It's real food yes. for the soul. You're going to become intolerant to the garbage that you once enjoyed. So here's another interesting passage since we were just talking about the heart. So in Ezekiel, I think it was like chapter 59, 12 um i can't remember exactly what verse he talks about how he removes our heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh a soft heart a heart that's right that with him right? yeah it was a prophecy of what christ was going to do for us and then it gives it and then he also so he gives us this heart transplant takes away our hardened hearts and gives us softened hearts. So we can no longer have a hardened heart as a Christian, just as one side note. But then he gives us a new spirit. Our spirit is now new. And then he pours his spirit within us, within that heart. And so our spirit and his are in union with each other. And uh, we are a completely new creation. And our soul is the same, our, you know, but our, our self is new. Uh, Christ crucified us, basically speaking, and it's said that he we've been crucified with him. So when we came to Christ, he crucified our old spiritually. self spiritually and gave us a new one. So, I mean, whatever he experienced on the cross physically, we experienced that spiritually. And that's it's a hardcore thing to have your old self crucified. And uh, you'll notice the transformation if you have it. It's It's real. And if you have faith in the spirit of God, you will have a transformation. You don't need to be governed by legalistic teachers any longer. You're going to, God is going to do the governing and that's who it's supposed to be all along. But in this passage, it says, you have no share or part in this matter because your heart is not right before God. He was talking to Simon, the, the sorcerer. He says, now Simon, when he saw the spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands, offered them money saying, give me this power too, so that everyone I place my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could acquire God's gift with money. You have no share or part in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that he may perhaps forgive you for the intent of your heart. For I see that you are bitterly envious and in bondage to sin. So what do we see here? Was, it, was he just repenting, a belie telling a believer to repent? Telling a believer that his heart was not right before God? No, Peter knew better. Peter knew that the heart was changed by God. And so what he was saying is that your heart is not right before God. You're not a believer. You're evil. You're wicked. You know, change your mind or or you know, basically judgment's going to be upon you, right. you know? And so you could easily think that he was talking about his actions there, but he was not talking about his actions. He was talking about his heart and his mind. You know, they hadn't been renewed. Yeah. Change, repent, change your mind. So God can give you a new heart and a new spirit. So I think we've covered those pretty, pretty well. Now let's quickly, we got a few minutes left, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I want to dig into revelations because this is where a lot of people get hung up. Uh, and a lot of pastors teach it incorrectly here. 
So in Revelations, it's a little harder to read, just like the, the whole letter is. And I'll never claim to understand it all um, because it was written to uh, specific churches who at that time would understand these things. And uh, they would know exactly what was going on. But, uh, but one of these passages in Revelations reads, But I have this against you. You have departed from, the, from your first love. Therefore, remember from what high state you have fallen and repent. Why did they have to repent? They've departed from their first love. He was teaching. He was talking to the ones who had the ears to hear. He was speaking to those who would spiritually hear this message and come back to the message they had been preached. They had been preached the truth. And, you know, a lot of them were never saved by it, you know, but this was reaching out to those who would wake up and repent and come back to the knowledge, back to the salvation. So he knew that they were chosen for glory mm -hmm. and they just hadn't repented yet, obviously, because he's telling them to. Or repent. they had heard the message and fallen away under under different uh, under a, some sort of a spell, you know. And. Um, you know, so you got to realize these are these are spiritual messages sent to the spiritual if they as john says in first john if they fell away they weren't of us you know they if they went away from us they weren't of us and that was going on in those times he was saying it was the the end was near and then you have in revelations them speaking in a similar verbiage um so uh, just to, to quickly end this section there there's one passage in particular that uh um let's see that i was looking for See if I can find that passage real quick. Well, there was there was a passage in Revelations where they're talking about this uh, woman that was leading them towards sexual immorality. You have that one, Melissa? Here, here we go. Can you read that one? Yes. It was Revelation chapter 2, 19. I know your deeds your love, faith, service, and steadfast endurance. In fact, your more recent deeds are greater than your earlier ones. But I have this against you. You tolerate that wom woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, but her teaching deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent. But she is not willing to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I am throwing her into a bed of violent illness and those who commit adultery with her into terrible suffering unless they repent of her deeds. OK, so you think, oh, well, they got to stop committing sexual immorality. But what were they talking about here? Her teaching was leading them astray. Her teaching was leading them into sexual immorality because they were falling away from you know they were never part of it again there again but the they were they were not following the message they weren't abiding in the gospel because if you abide in the gospel you have you have accepted christ and he is your savior he is your love and she was teaching them other things teaching them things that would dr drift them away from christ because you cannot be uh sexually immoral under in god's eyes uh, any longer as a christian you can't you can't 
If, if you've accepted Christ, you're forgiven. You're a forgiven creature. Right. And so the only way you can see this is in light of the gospel. And they this repentance, again, was a change of mind. Change your mind. Go back to what you believed before. And he says that often in Revelations. You know, it, it, it's it's referred to as deeds, but it's the change of mind. And it's their uh, lack of having the right mindset is that's leading to those deeds that that come to death just like the apostle paul was always reminding people that you know you are you're above this now you are you're seated in heavenly places so stop doing things that lead to death and self and damnation right. and uh so it jives so what we have here is uh you know what we've just gone through here is the fact that repentance never means to turn away from sin it never means to stop sinning and uh, if you look at things that way, it's just going to cause a whole lot of hiccups when you read scripture. But we're going to we're going to stop here unless Melissa had anything more to say. But I think we've done a, a pretty good job here. And if, if anybody has any questions, you know, you can always reach us and you could either go to the comment section here at YouTube or you can reach us at IBLETuddy.net at our website. And uh, we also have some good study guides to go to there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Amen. And you guys have a great day out there. And thank you for joining us uh, in our show.